Hello, and welcome to the Special Needs Sibling Podcast, where we talk about what life is really like as a sibling to someone with special needs. I'm your host, Charlene, and today, all the way from Singapore, is our guest, Sharon. Thank you for being on the podcast, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Charlene. I'm so excited to be chatting today. It's the highlight of my week. Yay! That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been it's been fun just to like meet everyone, and it's it's cool because like we we just we bonded over so many like small things too. So so I'm very excited. Cool. Uh, so I guess we'll hop into it. Can you lay out your family structure, um, like birth order, who has a disability, and a little bit um, about them? Okay. So uh, I come from a family of five. Um, so we have uh, well, it's three siblings uh, all together. So it's myself and two sisters. I'm the eldest. And then uh, my younger sister is the one with the special needs. Uh, her name is Priscilla, and she's got a mild intellectual disability. Yeah, so I'm the oldest, and I was basically the mommy's helper since she was a baby because uh, we do have quite a big age gap between us. So uh, uh, my mom would take care of her in the day, then I would be the one rotating at night, changing her diapers and all that, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's different. Well, I'm also the oldest, but the difference is that like me and my sister, we're only like two years apart, but you have more than that. We do. We have about 10 years Yeah, between us. Yeah, so that's definitely like, you're definitely old enough to kind of hop in and like want to help and like do all these and you can do these things versus I was like five five-year-olds you can't really like do a whole lot you'll be okay. surprised There's... a five-year-old can do quite a bit but but as a 10-year-old you know I got into a space where uh, it's also because you know I come from a more traditional Asian family so like the oldest is kind of expected to help out in a way too mm-hmm. and I was glad for it but you know in a way I, I became like you know, an extra pair of hands and then I'll be the one taking care of her at night um, and then in the day go to school at night take care of her that's also because my mom was kind of you know she had to recover from having her at a later age yeah so mm, that was a lot okay. that she was going through yeah yeah no yeah that it's always like an interesting thing that every oldest sibling I talk to always there's always more like of a caregiving like you, kind of, you always look out and I think that's a that's a normal characteristic even if like our siblings were like typical but it's just typical yeah it's all yeah but it's always just kicks in like almost into like overdrive when there's a disability stuff like that um so I guess in the the open forum part of the show um what would you like to talk about we have lots to talk about but is there any particular subjects um, that like for you like are really important or that you really want to talk about or have questions about things like that yeah I think one of the things that really sits on heavily on my heart is you know the need for I think especially siblings um, when when you have a person with you know special needs coming into the family I think the family dynamics can change up quite a fair bit um, and you know, I, I was part of an event where we were, um, you know, I was one of the human books that was in this human library. And then I got chatting and sharing my story about, you know, being a, a caregiver and also a sibling. And one of the parents um, came up to me and she started talking about how um, her child has got a GDD, which is Global uh, Developmental Delay. And then she was chatting about how she was really struggling to make sense of it and also just you know, how she was going to be able to relate to her other children who were difficult, right? So we got talking and then, and then it really hit me very hard that, you know, um, all I could do at that session was really to give her an encouragement that there is no manual in being a parent or a caregiver of a special needs loved one. And um, the thing about being a sibling or, you know, having a child that it has a sibling with special needs is that, like, you, as a parent, as a caregiver, we tend to, like, have all of our attention on the person that 
has the need, right? But then mm-hmm. what about those that are around us? So it's, you know, it's really my heart intent to um, bring a little bit more light into this space uh, to really encourage all of us to really think about the family as a whole, to think about the individuals that are in the family unit, just so that we, we can take better care of each other and then we don't neglect, you know, anyone of, of us in the family. Yeah. Yeah. The, the attention thing is something that it's interesting because... I think for me, I didn't even realize it till I was an adult that that's what was important. Mm. Because I feel like when I was growing up, I didn't like it's not something like that I noticed that like I was getting less attention necessarily. But like as I got older, it's something I noticed more. But it's it's almost ironic because the the time when you need the attention is when you're younger. Yeah. Right. Because then that's when you kind of cultivate like the the that like you're being loved and that you're being nurtured and that you're cared for right and that's that's all the these kind of emotions and feelings that we don't quite have the vocabulary for when we're younger mm-hmm. but then you it's like as you get older you like feel the you can feel a disconnect almost like as you grow which i don't know the science behind that but i feel like that's at least for me that's what i've noticed as i, as I think about it yeah, yeah. Because the thing with my my own family is that when my sister came into our family, we were we were full of joy, but there was also a sense of like, okay, what's gonna shift now, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, between between my youngest and and I, we actually have another sister between us, right? And for the longest time, like uh, we we have always been really close. And then, you know, we did a lot of things together. But then when the youngest came into the family, then it became like, okay, we had to make certain adjustments. And then our relationship started shifting into a different direction. So okay. it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's good or bad. It, it is the way it was, you know, but then I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, just, just kind of being mindful that like when you have an addition to the family, uh, that way, especially one requiring more attention, I think it's really important to like uh, make sure that the rest of the family is also being taken care of. It's easier said than done for sure, but then you know it's it's that um, just remembering that we are individuals, but then we are also yeah. a unit together. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 such an interesting thing now versus like in the nineties when it it was just very different, right? Because the the amount of information and technology, all these things were different. But I think like now there's so many more like. Like the the mental health conversation is so much bigger than it was before, and part of that I think is just the awareness of, kind of, yourself and your family, right? And I think that's, that's a, that's something that's very different because I'm pretty sure like, for my parents, like it's not like they were in groups where they would tell them, oh, you know, you need to make sure of all the things that we're talking about right now because that's just what they, no one knew at that time because there wasn't yeah. it was just so different like the diagnosis and stuff. And I think that's even regardless of like, even if I'm in, in the U S like, I think as a whole like in the world, it's just, everything is kind of just different at that time with the diagnoses mm. and like mm. parenting and, uh, and the whole thing. Yeah. There was just no language to it. And that there was no, it, it was even a taboo in some sense too, you know, to, to have someone with special needs. And I remember like with my sister's diagnosis, you know, MID um, in the early days, it was called mental retardation. I mean, you, you could get thrown a stone today for using a term like that, right? But yeah. that was the language. That was the language back then. And, and it's it's that, you know, people didn't quite know what to make, you know, how to make any sense of it. And and there was no, like, facilitation of a conversation. There was no safe space. There was there was no mm-hmm. uh, support group, right? So 
I think my our parents in the early days are uh, even you know early caregivers had it really rough. And like what I told the mom that day at the session, there's no manual, you know. And I think you know we we have to give ourselves um, a little bit of slack as well, you know, just yeah. just knowing that um, you know we're having it difficult to to deal with you know this circumstance. And let's not make it harder for ourselves and the people around us, you know, yeah. by labeling or slapping or stepping on you know unhelpful labors or confusing labors um you know and and also adding uh unnecessary pressure onto ourselves really yeah yeah and it, and that's an interesting thing too where like the i think something i didn't realize until now like after i started seeing my therapist right is how like different is one way to put it but it's just like it is hard Right, but, like, you don't, but, like, at, when you're a kid, you just, like, oh, that's just, you know, you're in your bubble of your household, and that's just, like, how you function, and you interact with the world the way you do, and you don't know until you get exposure, right? And so it's, it was this interesting thing when I had met my husband's family when we were dating at the time, and it was this thing, it was just the exposure to different types of people and different families, and, and how they, like, interact with each other and how they view the world because it was just so different than how I grew up and it was it, so that because I remember like one of the harder things for me to do when I was little was like we had these like very big family gatherings which is fine like that's just part of like when you're like in an Asian family you have lots of like dinners and stuff but the thing that was hard was when we had them in like the really big dinners for, like for you know Christmas Thanksgiving all the big holidays and stuff so the house we would have to drive to was probably like an hour away right so that was hard because it's like well you don't want to only go for like an hour because it, you're already driving an hour so there's all these things and I remember when I was there because we didn't live near where everybody else did I felt very like oh like I don't know anyone what do I do and so I'm just like sitting in this corner like by myself because right because not like I can talk to my sister because she can't talk mm-hmm. and so it's like okay but then it but then when I met my husband's family where his family's just cut like it's almost like my extended family is the size of his immediate family that's just like how it worked out but there was so many people so at the beginning I used to be like very like oh no like it's gonna happen again right like when I was like eight or seven I was like so afraid but then he's like no it's not you just you can just hang out right you don't have to talk to someone you can talk to people like you can eat like it doesn't like I wasn't obligated to do anything all I had to do was like show up and just yeah, and just be present, and so I was like, oh, so that was a really interesting shift to learn, just, like, how other people can find, how other families kind of just operate in the world. Mm. You know, family gatherings are so interesting, because it you, you anticipate, you look forward to seeing family, but some of these gatherings can be really nerve-wracking, and, um, you know, in Singapore, we have this culture of uh, visiting our relatives, um, especially during, you know, uh, the, the New Year period. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, too, because uh, the thing about having, you know, my sister with her, her you know, her condition is that um, every time we would visit relatives that we have not seen for a long, long time, uh, you know, you, you run into the very inevitable question of, you know, how is your sister doing? Uh, is she going to school? Uh, how is school? And then, you know, then yada, 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 yada. It's like, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the standard questions that, you know, they, they, they know to ask because, um, 
usually, I mean, in Singapore, we are quite ac- academically driven. So okay. parents are, are and, and adults are, are usually very concerned with, you know, school performance and that sort of thing. Okay. So it's kind of interesting because like every year, like we would, um, I would, I would be, you know, in charge of answering that question in that sense. Uh, I took it upon myself, not that my parents expected it of me, but I think it's a big sister thing, you know, just really wanting to protect my sister. So I would, you know, I would tell them, you know, about um, what she's doing and then how she's progressing. And it's, it's interesting to watch the reactions of, you know, the, the relatives because um, they ask this question out of love and, and concern. Um, but a lot of times it's also because they don't quite know how to place her, you know, like, um, oh. how do you, how do you then make sense of like, like she's at this age right now, but then maybe she's still in this particular track or, you know, she's still uh, schooling at this level when, you know, her peers have, you know, gone out to work, for example. So, so it's kind of interesting to watch like their reactions and all that. Uh, <laughs> but I know, I know they do it out of love and concern. So that's, that's really sweet. Uh, it's just that, you know, you, you run into the, the inevitable question of, you know, society not really quite knowing where to place you. Yeah, just because you don't fall into like the, you, you're just not running on the standard track, if you will, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and I forgot to ask you this earlier, but like for, for your sister's condition, could you like describe kind of like either like either fun facts about her personality or kind of like how her condition works? Or not works, that's not the... But you know what I mean. That's not the right way to phrase that. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. No, it's, it's all good. Um, she she with MID, the the thing is that um her cognitive abilities are a little bit uh, underdeveloped, if you will. Um, she is you know in her twenties right now, but she's also not quite able to um really uh understand the world at that level that you think she is able to. But at the same time, she surprises me all the time. Like, she's really good with technology. Really, really good with technology. A couple of years ago, she got her very first uh, smartphone um, okay. because, you know, her, her friends were all really wanting to do things online. Oh, yeah, online. Really has, like, video. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I gave her, you know, an elderly-friendly phone, you know, with the large buttons and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for her to bring to school. <laughs> you know, so, so she was um she was starting out to use it, you know. Initially she got excited because that elderly phone, you know, she could still listen to the radio on it. So initially she was really you know excited about it. But then when she went to school and then she realized that her friends could do so much more on their phones, you know, uh-huh. than, than her little, you know, elderly phone. So then she decided that she wasn't gonna use it. But anyway, we got her a smartphone. So she was using it. Um and then I think she started running into problems online. Um we started, you know, seeing uh really like strange requests you know like um male you know trying to approach her and and all that you know um and and it was it was getting quite um finicky so then so then i put in some parental controls i i I talked to her about it yeah yeah but i talked to her about it and then and then uh, we put in some parental controls uh but you know what she bypassed everything she bypassed (laughs) all of my parental controls i was like what like i i I was locking myself out of the phone, but there she was, you know, cruising along and she could bypass all of my parental controls. And I was like, what? Like, and then it hit me that, um, you know, she, she may be labeled, she may have this label over her, but actually really she has been just created to be so much more than that diagnosis, if you will. You know, she has got so much abilities and uh, not just technology, but also, you know, she's she's got a really uh, sweet and lovable personality. Yeah, She's that kind of person that, like, if she were to see that you are hurt, right, she would, like, run to go get, like, a plaster for you. And Aww. she's that kind of person that would remember your injury. Like, 
even months down the road, even years down the road. But oh, she would wow. And she'll check in with you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think with her, uh, yes, maybe she does have, you know, some, um, maybe she is not as developed as, as she could be, you know, in some yeah. aspects. But I, I feel like her heart is so big and she's taught me so, so many lessons, you know, that um, these are lessons that I'll treasure for life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Because it's, yeah, the cognitive, yeah, it's interesting kind of like their cognitive level versus kind of like their physical body and their hormones versus like what's actually happening in their brain like are not they're like not the same thing at all right because it's like cognitively like my sister like does either does certain like behaviors of a certain like age right and it's like oh, okay like you know you open the fridge or like you want your snacks or like you know how to tie your shoes and there's things like that but there's like her comprehension of other things that are happening are like very beyond <laughs> Yeah. But the cognitive level of, like, you know, developmentally, kind of, like, at whatever age, and it's, it's it's so fascinating how they use that to, like, interact with the world, because it's, because I always knew that she understood more than we thought, but I think even, even to that level, there's just, like, there's just so much more to it inside than yes. anybody, yeah. maybe even themselves realizes, right, because it's just the... The limitation is not their brain. It's all these other things that are preventing them from being able to communicate what they need or want mm. to 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 say. Not not that they can't take in the information necessarily. Yeah, and I feel like it's also a compensatory mechanism, if you will. You know, it's almost like they're 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 built whole in in a different way. You know, it's like yeah, maybe one part of it isn't working as well quote quote in air quotes right uh, yeah. as as it could be but then you know they are created to be to have other elements that will come forth and and play out at their strengths at play out as their strengths or even you know um become their protective um covering if you will you know it's like it's like my sister i think for her um you know her her sense of um her sense of uh, emotion her sense of like just being able to read the room you know she's mm. really good with being able to read the room and she's really good with being able to uh read a person like she oh. kind of knows how to use that to her advantage especially when she's trying to get extra screen time you know then yeah, she will yeah yeah yeah, yeah she'll, she'll know how to like read the, the signs in the room and then you know she'll know how to approach you and all that so i, I feel like it's 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 just that they're made differently you know and it's um it's not for better or for worse it's just different yeah 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 the the different and i think it's this thing where like it's almost like it just well well so i have this this like theory hypothesis i don't know what to call it where my so my whole thing is like you know as a sibling there's it's very much like a roller coaster right you there's like good days mm -hmm. there's bad days and all these things but i in my philosophy theory whatever it's called like there there comes a point where you hit this wall and you can choose kind of to go right or left right and you can go one way is to kind of jump into it you kind of you, and you're kind of very like involved with your sibling and kind of like in that space versus kind of the and there's other people who kind of you know they walk away for whatever reason right and that could be related to their sibling or their parents or some other external um situation that has caused them to to walk away but it's it's such an interesting thing because it's 
like every like like kind of like what you were saying earlier about like you know when parents ask like you know what can I do for my kids that are typical right but it's even even us like as as siblings who are typical like if I were to ever give advice to someone who was younger than me like I don't it's so specific to mm. like their internal kind of like battles they have to face right because there's going to be battles that I had with my sister and my parents that may or may not exist for them and that changes so much of the dynamic in how they interact with their sibling in the world and that's it's something that I've it's been so fascinating because you and I can relate on like very like we there's like a kind of like a list of things we relate on there's a list of things we don't relate on and yeah. but at the, there's also like very key kind of like paradigm shifts that we have mm-hmm. in our lives, right? Where you, we've decided, oh, we're going to go this trajectory due to something that's happened. And a lo- mm-hmm. and I feel like as a sibling, there's a, there's a much higher percentage that that paradigm shift is due to your sibling, not versus like, oh, you know, you found out you're really good at basketball or something, or like, oh, you know what? You want a million dollars. Like there's stuff like that, but like there's so many other things where like, I like yeah there's just certain situations and people like we would have never met right like if my sister didn't have a disability like we would have just not met this yeah period yeah and so yeah it's just kind of interesting how kind of like which that might be a little bit too like philosophical but it's still it's just interesting how it caught it all plays in together like when like just, yeah and just because they're they're different doesn't make it good or bad it's just that's who they are and it's kind of like how do we function with them and then incorporate them as they are. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you, you just said it so perfectly, you know, it's it's the summation of our life experiences, really. I mean, the thing about being a sibling to, you know, somebody with special needs, I mean, how different is that going to be from our life experience in, I don't know, in the work that you do in, in the audio space, in the work I do as a nutritionist? I mean, you know, like, how, how can they not influence the way we think and the way we make sense of this thing that we call life, right? Yeah. So it's it's really, I feel like it comes down to really um, this being part of our life experiences. And I think the trouble comes when we let that shape and form our sense of identity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and our yeah. sense of the world, like, in totality, you know. And I think the more, like, I don't know whether this is something that comes with age or something, but, you know, the more I grow in, in years, the more I feel like I don't know anything. You know, it's like, it's like you think you know it all, like when you're in your 20s, like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a stinky attitude really to have in your 20s. I don't know if you're like that, but I was like that in my 20s, all right? So, so it's, it's, um, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, you're on top of the world, like you kind of know it Yeah, you're very, very much like you have like an idea of like who you are in the world. Like you have a very like stable idea of what you perceive the world to be. Yeah. Yes, I do <laughs> more life happens and then it shakes up, you know, your your very yeah. fundamental sense of identity, right? And yes. so so I feel like the more I grow up, the more I, I feel like I don't know anymore, I need to learn it. And you're so spot on. I mean, like how how do we even give advice, right, to, to someone? I mean, yeah. the context is so important, um, the dynamics are so different. And also whether the person is willing and able to make sense of what has just been said to them, I mean, all this all play a part, right? And uh, so yeah, I think it's it's just a matter of having life experiences and 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 you know using that to our advantage. And I think a lot of us may see that um, being a caregiver um, or or you know sitting to someone with special needs. I think it's often seen as a baggage, but I feel like it's something that we should see as a 
class because I, I think you would agree with me, Charlene. The thing about having a sibling with special needs is that it increases our sense of empathy and, and yes. sensitivity, right, to those around yeah. us. And I, I, I don't know if that if I never had a sibling like that, I, I don't know that I would have entered this world. I don't know that I would have known how to interact with people. And I'm still learning ways to learn how to interact with persons with special yeah. needs. I mean, it's a day-by-day thing, you know, and I, I don't know that this part of the world would have been visible to me. Right. Uh, what is so invisible in terms of just this type of uh, need and, and yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of times we talk about it as like oh you know we've been weighed down by this. Um, this was part of my childhood. I've had to do things that I you know my peers didn't have to do. But I feel like it has also lent us a lot of strength and perspective. You know in yeah, yeah and it's really helped shape like how I see the world today and how I interact with the world today. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's such a complex thing and that, mm-hmm. cause I think yeah and I think that's so important too like what you bring up about like understanding that like it, hel- it helps shapes us also for the better mm-hmm. as a general statement right and I think right at this period in time I think I'm just going through kind of the like the downward part of the roller coaster where it's a little bit not as happy but I think there's so many but one thing that right now that is good is is this podcast which is like something that i would have never like foreseen happening but just it just you know things happen and then here we are and it's it's one of those things where even though like right now at this point in time i feel very like in my downward part of my roller coaster like it the the thing that's like giving me lots of hope is like being able to like have it have my feelings like validated by other siblings mm-hmm. right and even if those other people, like, they're more positive or negative or neutral or whatever it is, it's still, it's very reassuring to just know that, like, you're not the only person on the planet that feels like this. It's so intense, and I think that's a whole other level of it, right? Like, it's it's one thing I feel, like, I feel like my emotions are just very intense sometimes, like, when it comes to this this topic, right? So whether it's with my sister or, or other people with disabilities or when I'm just in the community, like, it's just very, I feel very, like, I'm, it's much easier to get very excited or angry or whatever versus kind of, like, a neutral topic, because I'm sure people feel like that way about, like, sports or something, right? Like, oh, you're totally fine that you can go watch a sport that you really like and then you get very <laughs> excited or mine. angry, you know, it's kind of like that type of thing. <laughs> you're, you're describing my husband, I think, on it. On really? <laughs> You know, he, he becomes a different man when he goes into his gaming room, you know, his yeah. Men's team, but yeah, yeah. So so he becomes so impassioned, you know, and he's normally a passionate guy, but you know, he becomes more impassioned when he goes into his men cave. But but anyway, um, you know, I, I feel like the amazing thing is that um what you're sharing here, you know, I, I wanna thank you for being so vulnerable, Shaleen, because I think it's not easy when you're dealing with such complex feelings and emotions to actually desire to want to step out and seek help um especially in a in an asian context i I know you you know you grew up in the u.s so that's a little bit you know different in in that sense but but Mm -hmm. still asking for help is is never easy um right and and i feel like you, you talk about the roller coaster right and i totally can relate to that but the beautiful thing is that when it's going down the only way up it's the not, only yeah. way else is up, right? You, you can only go up from there. And um, I, I think it's really amazing also that you have developed such a space for yourself, for others to come on board and come into this space to 
to share their experiences. And I don't know where would where we would go, you know, if it's not for a platform like this podcast. And yeah. you know, it's it's amazing. I think we chatted before this um about how I first came across your podcast. It I was searching exactly for this thing. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking for um, you know, I was, I was typing in uh, special needs siblings, and then I was like, nothing, nothing, nothing came up. Nothing, nothing, nothing came out. I've been an avid <laughs> yeah. podcast listener for years, right? And then nothing, nothing yeah. came out until one fine day in March. I was like, what? Like. <laughs> things like is this new like i don't think i've seen it before and when i when i when i listened in i, I realized that oh you know this it's amazing like um to have a space like this and then when i heard your story then yeah it lent so much more strength to it because i was like oh wow like she not only you know is uh getting the help that she needs but also she's creating a safe environment for siblings to come in and tell their stories yeah so you know I just really want yeah. to say thank you, Shalin. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That, that that definitely, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's been it's been it, it's been this thing where like to get it, it it was it was so scary to do it, but then I had I had a similar experience in terms of like I was one there was like a couple of months I was just looking and I was looking for anything. I was like books, podcasts, radio, movies, like something, and I was just like why why doesn't it exist? Like, there's so many of us in the world, right? And it's, and it's so fascinating because it's, like, the, the people who are siblings, even the people who, like, aren't involved in the space of being in a disability community, but they're just, like, they just happen to be siblings they do something completely unrelated, right? Like, the hearts of those people are so big, right? The empathy that they have and the sympathy they have is, is so, like, it's, like, not, it's, not that's not measurable, but, like, it's, it's just so much bigger than we all realize that that the care and the love for for people and it, and it, and I think that it like I I'm not a parent yet but I think it, that's still different than your child right when you have someone in your life like when you're yeah when it's you and your sibling and they don't and they're like you know they're not typical it's just it's just different than any other relationship and I can't that I obviously don't have vocabulary to describe that but it's it's just interesting how you know like the it's it's the gift that we're given to be able to foster that type of care and show other people that that care is possible I I think think, so yeah and I think that's one of the really interesting things with my husband was like obviously like when we're dating that's obviously that's it's a it's a it's a deal breaker right you can't not have her in the picture but the as over the years as i've seen him interact with her and other people just like at like family retreats or like you know events and stuff with other people with disabilities like to see like how he's grown in that particular capacity right because he was a very loving person before but let's just it's just a different level of understanding and empathy that that you learn right i think just i've i've and i've gotten the privilege of like having like one of my very close friends like also change it and it's it's one of those things with her like that one was crazy because like bef- like we were very good friends before and then kind of we had this week together and then kind of all this other stuff happened and then like her her life very much after that like was very much altered Right. And, mm-hmm. it, and it sounds extreme, but like I and then we've and we've talked about it actually kind of like a couple months ago. We were kind of talking about how different her life is now just because 
of like that week that we kind of spent like in interacting with these people and these families and it's just like there's something very powerful to be said about like the the amount of love and care sometimes that comes off in a very kind of not loving way but they still care and i think that uh, that's and that's what's also so interesting is like you know to love like a family like that has a disability that, that someone's affected by disability like the love and care that goes into it like sometimes you care so much that it just comes off kind of in a not so positive light even though they they care Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's a beautiful sense of love that you're describing here because you know the thing about love is that um a lot of times like we we tend to think that we can only love our own like if you 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 can only love your child and then, you know like the million dollar question like if a child and I don't know someone else falls into the water like who are you gonna save you know like we we tend to think that we can only love our own and I think that if you if you are someone especially if you're someone who's grounded like you know by faith as i am you know you know sometimes it's you you can enjoy a sense of love that is much bigger than yourself and Mm -hmm. you can extend this love to others that don't necessarily belong to you and if you really think about it like what do we really own in this world i mean even if you have a child like the child could die or you could die i mean i'm not trying to be morbid here but like like you don't really own anything that we yeah. hold on to it's in not this yours world, to you know? have it's not, yeah, it's not yours to own yeah yeah it's not what you can bring out into this world you know out of this world anyway right so so the thing about like love love is that like we, we tend to think that we can only love our own but like if you look at the foster parents that are around us the parents who have chosen to adopt not because they can't have children but to add to their family even you know if you talk about like those people who volunteer to do, you know, to visit the elderly, clean out their homes, you know, I mean, like how do you how do you describe that, you know? And and I feel like um when you when you are you know somebody that can see beyond yourself and you are willing to embrace this sense of love, I think it's it's you can go so many places and you can go places that you can't even logically imagine yourself doing. Yeah, it's beyond yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's. Yeah, it's such a powerful thing. And it's also this thing where, like, it's uh, it's as positive as we're making that there's also, like, boundaries are also very important in terms of, like, you know, yep. just because yep. you love them so much also does not give you the right to then overextend yourself to then jump in the water and save everyone and then you die. Like, that's also not, yeah. that's also yeah. not good either, right? Like, there, there's, a, there's this balance of, like, knowing that you have a capacity to love and love very much, but you also have to be able to be loved and love yourself and like kind of Mm. foster that in yourself in order to keep loving the people that you want to actually care for and care give for. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. You've got to really like take care of yourself before you can like take care of others in a way. And, or you, you can take care of others while you're taking care of yourself. Like it doesn't have to be, I, I think that's a challenge. Like we tend to be, you know, we tend to think of things in a very binary manner, like it's either this or that. But what if we can have both? You know, what if it doesn't have to be either? You know, so I, I yeah, with with caregiving, I think we really need to um consider our need to uh you know maintain boundaries, like what you said. You know, just like I, as much as I love my sister, I I do have to maintain a certain boundary, especially now being married and having a family of my own. I mean, I, I do need to have that boundary as well, right? And it's it's also a boundary um not just for my own sake but also for her so that she learns to develop a sense of 
um, you know, independence and oh, also yeah. yeah, and and also that she knows that you know she she learns that you know she cannot always expect to have the attention that she desires all the time because mm-hmm. what good is it going to do for her, right? Right. Yeah. So I think it works both ways, really. You know, uh, maintaining that sense of boundary, but also at the same time, um, you know, learning how to uh take care of our own health, take care of ourselves, so that you know we can be there for for them in a capacity that that's um. Uh, enhance you know and not like we're down and out and we're ill and then like we can't even like take care of ourselves and get ourselves out of bed and then we're yeah. trying to it's like what good does it's it good. do yeah that's <laughs> a bad side if you can't do that yeah like you know and, and I'm, I'm not i'm not saying that we have to be, you know be in perfect health because some of us do deal with chronic conditions and you know some of us you know will deal with pain and and you know suffering like in the course of our day-to-day and and that's not to minimize that kind of pain and suffering but you know, what I'm saying is that if you are in a position where you're able to kind of build on your health, you know, however little you think you have, right? If you're in a position to do that bit by bit, slowly, you know, preset upon preset, you know, um, you'll be amazed like how far your body can adapt and, and change and, and respond to, you know, what you're doing to it. You know, yeah. and you're going to be putting yourself in a better position as well in your caregiving. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things that in therapy that like we've been talking about, it's just that you can you can retrain your brain to like think different uh, and think differently about things. Like you don't, yeah. Like just because you thought the same way for so long, doesn't mean you can't undo it. Like it might take longer to, to, to adjust like as you get older, right. Just because you've spent more time kind of like in the same path, but you like, you can change it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was something that was so fascinating to me because I think for so long, I was very much like, oh, my life is going to be like this. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to do this. And it was very like, and even if I didn't, like, even if it wasn't like that, I would plan that way, Mm -hmm. right? I would kind of plan around the way that I thought that people would behave, so I would put like them in this box and go, oh, like they like this thing or they don't like this thing. And then I would then conceive this plan, whatever that was, being that like I didn't like account for that people can make different choices. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I didn't like that. And I think that was really tough for me until I learned that I could make different choices. Like it was just so hard because I was I was very rigid in how I thought about a lot of things. I think I was much more black and white, like, earlier, like, in my childhood and, like, young adult life. It's just because that's just, that's just what I knew, right? I was like, oh, it's gonna be this or this, and then I didn't like knowing, like, if it was an unknown factor, right? Because if it was an unknown, that means, like, anything could go wrong, or I could get hurt, or it was unsafe, or, like, you know, there's all these kind of, like, very uneasy feelings if you didn't know it was gonna happen. So for me, it was just easier to, like, do go black and white. But Mm -hmm. now it's it's this thing where, like, well, you know, I've learned through a very, like, lots of trial and error and, like, just like that. I can be reassured and, like, I can make this choice for me and that's okay. And then mm. no one else has to, like, agree with it or anything. Like, but if I feel good about making that choice, then I can just do it. And I mm. think just to to get to that point has given me the, like... I feel like I've re- like it's given me like a release of having that expectation on everyone else because I used to have that expectation of everyone like oh you're going to make these choices but now it's like no like 
you can make your choice, I will make mine, and somehow we will meet in the middle and, like, figure it out. It'll be adults, and that and that's... It's been a rough battle, but it's, it feels so much better to be able to do that than to not. I have to agree, yeah. I feel like it's... You don't carry... You don't have to carry that baggage anymore. It almost yeah. feels like that, you know, in a way. Um, you spoke about that, that you know, binary thinking. I, I, I don't know if it's a case where... You know, when you grow up in difficult circumstances as a child, you mm. you learn to develop mechanisms for survival. Maybe that binary thinking was a sense of survival for you. You know, it's um at least I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Uh, I had a very difficult childhood growing up, and um that's another story for another day. But um you know, it's I, I learned to develop many. Now I think of them as capabilities, but back then, you know, it's like, it's all I knew to do, you know, it's a, a, a very binary sense of thinking, you know, it's yes, no, it's, uh, you know, you learn how to read the room very early on from a very young age, um, and you learn to be very alert and attuned to what's going on around you, you know, yeah, um, yeah so back then, like, that's all I knew to do, you know, and, um, you know, for, for, then when I became a young adult, uh, there were many things I despised about it. You know, I, I, I hated that bit of my childhood. But then now that I'm, you know, much older, um, I feel like, no, I should embrace that as part of my story. I should embrace that as part of my, my upbringing. Um, I should really embrace that as part of what has contributed to who I am today. And if it's not for those experiences, right, I would not have pivoted in another direction. So I think it's... um. Yeah, you know, like, I think we tend to be very hard on ourselves, you know, and um, we tend to struggle and we tend to not talk about it, you know, until until we hear that, oh, somebody else has a similar experience, come, let's share about yeah. that, and then, and then we, we go into a conversation. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's, you know, things happen for a reason. They were the way they were for, um, you know, a reason beyond us. And I think if we learn to just keep an open mind about that and just move with life, um, we can find ourselves moving through life with a lot more ease. That doesn't make life easier by any stretch of imagination, but it's a baggage that we don't have to carry and we can let that go. And you know, the thing about the thing about control is that I feel like they always say what the fear of public speaking is like the number one fear, right? But I kind of back to differ. I feel like the sense of control, letting go, letting go of the sense of control is maybe what people fear the most. You know, we make the perfect plans and uh, we you know we, we don't want to dirty our planner that we get on first January and then we want to write in the perfect boxes and squares and all that like we want to take it off we want to be able to you know control that and I, I, I can't help but wonder if it's a sense of you know us actually feeling very very out of control within ourselves and then and then desiring to control our external environment but you know the bigger question is how effective is that going to be you know for the long haul um, and for me, at least, my own personal experience is that like, I, 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 found, I found that, you know, by letting go of the desire to control, I found myself to be much, much happier. Um, there's so many things that are beyond me. Like, you know, I can make the necessary preparations. Um, I can plan on saying certain things. I can plan on doing certain things. But I, I won't know how the other person is going to receive it. You know, I, the other person might be dealing with another battle on, you know, on his, his or her part. Right? And who is to know like what's going on with their mind, you know, at, at a point in time. So like who am I to think that like it should go this way or that, you know? Um so I, I don't know, like I, I'm the more I contemplate this matter, the more I find that 
I'm more at peace with myself when I can come to realize that, you know, this world is not something that I should strive to control. But, um, and there's really so much that I can't. But the one thing, if I must control something, the one thing is myself, you know, my own response, my own thinking about this. And it comes down to renewing our minds and retraining our thought process, you know, just like what you're saying earlier. Yeah. And I think so much of that too is like, like just believing in yourself that you can do it. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's something, and I think that's why I struggled with it for so long, which is because I didn't believe that I could let go. And, and I mean, and some other things that you mentioned too, but like, I, but I think that like, you know, like you do have the power, like, yeah, like believing in yourself gives you the power and the ability to be able, you know, to let go and to acknowledge that, there are other things in the universe that you like you can't control, and 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 there, I think the other thing with that is like it is not yours to control. Kind of like earlier, right? Like the things that you own on the earth, it's like yes, you own them, but at the end of the day, like they they are not, they're not necessarily yours to own, right? You, your kids, your family, your house, whatever, right? And and it's it's about being a good steward of those things mm-hmm. and understanding that you have a responsibility to to foster care and to steward it well, but you don't. You don't need to, you know, be greedy about it and to, like, like, you know, like, uphold it to, like, a per- perfect standard or anything. But I think, you know, like, one of the things you said earlier is that, like, we're so hard on us- ourselves, right? Like, siblings in general, I think. And I don't know if that's a more being the oldest sibling or just any sibling in general, like, about being hard. But I know, I'm pretty sure as the oldest one, we are always just on ourselves about, like, you know, what can we do? How can we make it better? Like, are they going to be okay? Like, right. And then there's always the added part of that is also the, like, we end up being the caretaker later, right? We're going to caregive because our parents, like we're the next one after them, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of however many other siblings you have, if you're the oldest, that is going to end up being your responsibility unless if you choose to walk away from that. Right. And And it's this thing where it's that, that's a very big, like that is a big burden to carry, but it doesn't have to be a burden, but it's just, but it's about the balancing of being able to believe in yourself that you can ask for help and that you have the people around you to support that. And then also believing in that your sibling can also, to the best of their ability, exercise their own independence or, you know, their right to speak or have an opinion or whatever, you know, capacity, because everyone's sibling's different. And that's, and that's a very, like, that's its own relationship too. That is interesting. Which, at some point later, I I have some other people lined up that will have older siblings. That they they're, they themselves are older siblings who are in that position where they're caretaking, right? And that's that's such that's a whole other like level of of caretaking versus like where we're at, where our parents are alive. You know, we're we're married. Our sisters are kind of in a separate space, but like we're still kind of interacting in the back and forth, and we're involved. But it, it and that's its own kind of like dance around kind of like what are what's what do we prioritize right are we prioritizing them or us our husbands our parents and that's its own kind of and that's its own not battle but it's its own dance too because it's like right because in asian cultures as a general statement like family's important but it's like well those are all our family members so how do you pick between your current family you know like it's it's very there's a lot to that, and, it, and I think it's, it, there's a lot to be said for, like, the the amount of, 
like strength that we have to consistently kind of like refuel ourselves with the self care to be able to love all those people that we have in our lives because they are all very important to us. Yeah, they are, and and. In a way, we have to be really organized as well with our time and our, you know, our schedules yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, like when COVID hit, you know, um, I I homeschooled my sister for that season, and it was tremendously difficult because, um, you know, I had to balance my 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 business, and then on top of that, I had to balance my caregiving, and then my husband got into an accident, a road accident during that period too, so I had to caregive for him too, you know. So there was just a lot going on in. You know the span of those couple of years. So yes, my mom. I'm very, very, very blessed that my mom is uh, well and alive, and she's um, the primary caregiver. But then I'm kind of like the behind the scenes uh, planner, if you will. <laughs> you know, as we we're talking about <laughs> earlier. But um, you know, so so I coordinate the rest of her care and also um, her educational needs and all that. So um, so it's quite a lot on my plate. Um, but but the thing about it is that like. You have to find a way to um, fit them all in, but not at the expense of your own healthcare, right? Your own self care, yeah. So, so, and, and the amazing thing is that there are ways to make it work. You know, it's it's a creativity exercise, really. You know, and uh, sometimes it involves you know kind of putting two things together, but sometimes it also involves just clearing out your schedule a little bit, you know, so that you have that breathing space. But it's it's totally possible. It's doable. You know, um, I think it really comes down to um, just being intentional about your time and yeah. and really having um, knowing that some things are going to have to slide or, or be on, put on the back burner for a season, you know, while you focus on, yeah. you know, aspects of your caregiving. Yeah. Yeah. And seasons are so important because I was actually going to bring that up also because like as we were talking about like, oh, like that. And that's a whole other thing too, right? There's there's seasons where you do work a lot and there's seasons where you caregive a lot. There's seasons where like you can take a break and don't, you don't have to, you don't feel like you're obligated to do things for other people, right? There's seasons of like happiness and sadness. And, and I, and I think that's, that's also important that like, it's not, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel like a burden forever. Like it will be there just kind of like how you, how you look at it. Right. Cause there's times where it's going to be like a big gift. There's going to be times where it's a burden. There's going to be times where it feels like you can't handle it, but you can, right? There's other times where like you feel like you're on top of it. Like there's just it's such a sometimes daily, you know. Other times there's it's other increments, but sometimes it is like a daily battle with for some people where you kind of just have to get through the day. Like you know, if, if you got through the day and everyone's safe and healthy, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. a win. Yeah, and that's so yeah. important. And like with the intentionality of time, that I feel like that also being intentional with your time in the season you're in it's also that's so important to cultivate what the next season can be right because mm. it's a hard season yeah. but you're intentional about how you're choosing to show up and how you're choosing to self-care or how you're choosing to caregive for for a sibling or anyone in your family that for that matter that that can change the trajectory of how it shows up right and then that's with the with the like changing your thought patterns and how like you show up and so for the intention of for the with the time intention, then how did, for your starting your business, like how did you figure out the time intention to to do that? Well, um, it was sometime in 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. Like, talk about timing. I mean, <laughs> I would never have known. But um, actually, maybe maybe let me back up a little bit. Like in 2019, I lost a very dear cousin of mine, um, to a chronic condition that 
uh, could have been presented from a lifestyle perspective. Ah, oh, kind of just really thinking about him, and it's uh, it's difficult. He um he was only a few years older than I was when he passed, and he um he was flown in into Singapore for emergency treatment. He he flew in in a state of being in a coma. Um, and we had to rush him to the hospital for um, very, very urgent care. And over the course of five days, I think the neurosurgeons um, tried to evaluate his condition to see if they could operate on him. But then they found that his condition had deteriorated too much that they could not do anything. Um, so over the course of five days, we watched him progressively pass. You know, oh, and no. he, Yeah. Um, it was very hard for me because... Uh, this cousin of mine, uh, he, his family, his mom, uh, his mom is like my second mom, if you will, you know, Aww. maybe my third, maybe my third, because I, I do have a mother-in-law, so. <laughs> 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 yeah, when you're growing up, yeah. you say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, growing up, she was my second mom, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, her family and us, you know, we, we were always very, very close, and, um, and my cousins and I, we were even planning, uh, you know, a group of us, a group of cousins of mine, uh, we were even thinking of doing like a cousin gathering in Indonesia where uh, most of them are based. Um, so we had these grand plans. We wanted to do this, you know, massive gathering and all that. Uh, and and we talk about large families in, in the Asian context. So yeah, for sure. So we, we were thinking of that. But then we had those plans. And then the next time I saw him, he was he was coming in horizontal on a hospital bed um, on a stretcher. Oh, and and he was in a state of coma. It was very hard to see him pass. And I I had to even break the news to his um young son to tell him that, you know, to, to get ready to say goodbye to his dad. Oh, that was incredibly hard. And I also had to prepare his mom, my second mom, to um to for the inevitable. Yeah. You know. So so that that was a really um difficult moment in, in my life in 2019 when, when he passed, not only because um we were close, but also because of the tragic circumstances surrounding his death. I mean, the fact that the neurosurgeon looked me in the eye and said that, you know, most likely it was his lifestyle that, um, you know, caused his condition okay. to worsen. That really hit home very hard for me. I mean, I've always known that, like, you know, eating, stress management, exercising, it's, it's really important for your health. But, yeah. like, to think that a neurosurgeon who comes from the conventional system was telling me that, I was like, whoa, like, this has to mean something. So um, I I was also in a state, right, at that point in time, I, I had been, you know, in the business consulting space for 15 years um, up until that time. And I was um, doing really well, enjoying my work and all that. Um, but that particular episode really caused me to reconsider, you know, um, the trajectory that I was on. And, um, you know, I've always had a, a heart and passion for the special needs space. Um, my, my, my younger sister, the one with MID, uh, Priscilla, her name is, um, she's just so sweet. Um, she's always told me to uh, join, she's always invited me to join the industry as a special needs teacher. Aww. She's always told me that I should, you know, teach, you know, and maybe teach her class. I was like, whoa, like this sounds, this sounds, you know, like there's a potential conflict of interest there, you know. But, yeah, but I was going to say like, that's cool, but not her class, maybe like another <laughs> She might have a different agenda. Maybe she thinks I'm going to yeah. talk something. <laughs> but, but in any case, you know, she's always encouraged me to explore the space as a, as a teacher. And, but, you know, like, I have the utmost respect for teachers. And I think they're some of the most patient people on earth, especially if they work in the special uh, needs yeah. education space. So 
you know, I'm, I'm still working on my patience. I never really quite considered myself to be suitable as Me a candidate. Me either. My husband is much more patient. I've learned lots from him. I know, right? We, we yeah. chatted about that. Bless our husbands. But, yes. you know, it's, um, yeah, so I, I you know, and, and when, when my cousin passed, um, I, I thought long and hard about it. And uh, for me, because uh, um, faith is important for me, so I, I, you know, given the matter over to prayer, you know, and, and just seeking God and just really just trying to get a sense of what do I do with this now? Like, should I pivot into this space? And what do I do, you know, with the special yeah. needs community, you know? And then that's how, um, yeah, through a series of prayers being answered and being directed, I, I feel like my calling in this uh, second stage of my life or my career life, it's uh, that I really want to come into this space and, and support uh, special needs caregivers. Because I'll tell you that that day when my cousin passed uh, and I was there watching him go, um, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> it sounds really morbid, but I, I imagine my mom being on that bed because my mom has given so much of her life to uh, not only my sister, but uh, to our entire family. I mentioned I had a very difficult childhood growing up. Yeah. So um, my mom has been through the ringer. And um, just when I watched my cousin pass, I, I thought of my mom because my mom's health could definitely use a boost. Um, mm, and I was yeah. thinking just like, what if it's her? Like what if, you know, like it's her that's going, like what's, I, I don't want to lose her, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it really, really compelled me to uh, really pursue God and, and his leading and to see if this was really, you know, something he wanted me to do or if this was something like, you know, a figment of my imagination. And then later yeah. when I had the, the confirmation, I, I knew that I would want to enter the space and, and here I am. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so exciting. And it, and that's something where I, it, it's just something where I'm not in, I am not in the space that you're in, but in terms of like knowing that, like, I, I don't think there was something specific that happened where it made me think about the bigger picture, but there, I think for a long time, I've known that, like, I was put on, I know I was put on the earth to do more than just like whatever my office job was. Mm-hmm. And it was something that when I was like, starting to work I was trying to I think what I was trying to do was make my wherever I was working I was trying to turn that into something bigger Mm -hmm. right because I was like oh maybe you know if I just if I got really good with this skill set then that would then allow me to do xyz but the 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 interesting thing about this podcast right is that like it's it it had it started at a point in time where I, like, my spiritual life was kind of in a rougher patch, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just due to a variety of other factors that are kind of unrelated from that. But it was this thing where you, like, yeah, it just, just to see it foster and see that it wasn't, like, it wasn't just me who needed the space. And it, and it was just, it just took on a very different, like, like, I just couldn't have ever imagined it, right? Because mm. for all, for all the things that I thought that, you know, I was put on the earth to do and try to do these things and like, oh, I'll just like use my skill sets because, you know, I was gifted with whatever skill sets or, you know, I learned certain skills like from my parents or from working, whatever, but it's like, you know, it's, there's so much, the, the thing that I don't think I realized 
until I started doing this podcast was the level of the level of like how important people interaction was to me. Mm. Right. Cause, cause that, that's not everyone's cup of tea. Right. Cause there, there are people who really, they're, they're, they're just very good at like doing numbers or they're doing books or like they like make, you know, they're like kind of in a room and they kind of like make art and then they sell it. You know, there, there's so many different, um, abilities and skills that the people have but like being a being able to talk to people is not everyone's cozy but i but i just do it all the time like and i and it's this thing where i i never had was able to connect that that like oh like that that can be used to foster like good in the world right because people because when you're growing up you're just like oh people are like oh you talk too much or you have to be quiet right like there's all these things that you're told about um just whatever right like you know i like i love asking questions like at work i asked i asked people tons of questions about how to do my job because i i just like asking questions and it's it's something that i and that i think that's one of the things that we talked about earlier right it's something where i've i've learned to acknowledge that that can be used for a positive thing like, even yeah. though if I was told when I was younger, hey, you asked too many questions, stop asking. Like, that doesn't, that's not a bad quality. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. it's, it's, at that time, in that space, at that age, it might have been, like, annoying. Right? Yeah. But, like, as, now if I know how to, to foster it and be able to care and steward that well, I can use it for the better of whatever I'm doing. Right? And then that's, that's such a powerful thing to be to be and then and that's the whole thing about community right like that that all humans were built for community right and we were created to mm-hmm. be together mm-hmm. not not live individualized yeah. but to be able to like live in community and foster that and 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 you know care for one another in that way and that it's such an important thing and even for people who it well i guess before that like the thing that's that fascinates me is that even for for every person that I've talked to, like uh, uh, related to this podcast, right, other siblings and stuff, like the the community, regardless of where their like faith space is at, like they could have it or not have it, but but everyone has acknowledged that like you know having another sibling or just having a space to feel that you know you matter and that your your feelings are validated and they're real and that. Your experience is a hard one and it and it's not bad but it's just hard to go through it right like everyone that that's such an important like milestone to acknowledge that like you do need other people like for anyone that is a sim who has not talked to anyone probably would recommend to go talk to someone right is it and they don't right. have to be another sim it'd be great if it was because that that does create a level of bonding that doesn't there is a level of bonding with other sibs that you can't get with other people. I think that's just part of it, right? It just mm-hmm. doesn't, you can't, fa- you can't, you can, you can pretend that you know, and you can try, and you can be very close to someone who knows, but it's not the same as, as loving it. 
Mm, mm, yeah. Most definitely. And, and you know, the thing about being in community is that like, it's, it's so beautiful that we are all so different. And it doesn't really matter what our gifting is and where we find ourselves to be in life. Because the thing is that like, if everybody were to be as good as you, you know, in asking questions, then like, where would be the artist? Like, we wouldn't have any plumbers, we wouldn't have any art, we wouldn't have any, like, yeah. you know, the world would be just so boring if like, if it was just made out of like, one type of person, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, the thing about being in community is that, like, that's the beauty of it. Like, we can all come to the table with our own stories and with our own strengths and our own gifts and yeah. and that we can just come together and, and you, you never know where this is going to... Like, when I, when I did the uh, Human Book Library event, like, I never knew that I was going to be able to support, help support a mom. I mean, we ended off with a really sweet heart and, like, I... Could have imagined that you know but mm-hmm. for whatever reasons we connected and then there was you know this bit of encouragement that i could give her and and she encouraged me too because to me it was like oh like there is a mom who's really struggling and then she was brave enough to come forward and ask for help you know i was like wow well, like i don't know what i would have done if i were to be in her situation right so it's um it's amazing like what we can learn from one another you know and you know, when we're growing up, like, we, we have a sense of, like, the world being as is. But, like, the more you grow up and the more you allow yourself to um, keep an open mind and uh, continue to, to be challenged in our own way of thinking, like, the more you find that, like, it is so much more vibrant than you yeah. you think it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, It's so much that's... more beautiful and so much more vibrant. It's really how you, you get it. Like, you know, when I was growing up, like, I was told so much by a mentor of mine whom I look up to very, very much. He kept telling me the cup is half and half full, not half empty. But like, you know, when I was, when I was, when I first heard it, I hated that saying. I was like, what do you mean it's half full? It is half empty. No, no, yeah, exactly. No, I was that, <laughs> I was, I was that person too. Don't worry. I, I'm right there yeah. with you. <laughs> it's like, like, what do you mean? Like, can you not see like it's half here? Mm-hmm. But, but the more I, 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 you know, meditated on that and thought about that, the more I realized that he was telling me to see what was there and what was not, and, and not focus on what was missing, which is my human tendency to do, which is to zoom yeah. in on what is lacking and what is missing. But how sad is that? And I'm so glad that, like, for me, faith is a really big part of my of my life. Not just, yeah, you know, everybody has to find uh, their peace with it, you know, as to, like, where they stand on this. But for me, the, my Christian faith is really big because um, for the many, many rough things I've encountered in life, um, beyond what we are sharing here on this podcast, but, it, you know, it, I, I did not grow up to be a spiritual person. I did not grow up to be... Um, I came from a background where you had to check the boxes and you had to do things in a particular way. Otherwise, you know, the the deities were going to, you know, punish you and, and that sort of thing. So it, it was it was a very intimidating environment that I was I was in, you know. And um, it was only later in life when I came across the Christian faith. And, and I'm talking about the genuine kind, not the charismatic, like, oh, prosperity God. doctrine type, you know. Like, put in money and then God will bless you. That type of that yeah. doctrine, I'm not talking about that at all, but the very, very genuine Christian faith where it's you you know that you are dependent on God and that you you can have a loving fellowship and a loving relationship with Him. And that gave me a lot of strength in my caregiving journey because who am I to pour anything out to, to my sister and to my family? I mean, on my own accord, right, I know that I'm I'm no good, you know, like I there's only so much I can do. I can't be there for everyone, you know, yeah. but I can commit them 
to to God in prayers. I can pray for strength. I can, you know, think good things because he has enabled me to do so, you know, by reading his word and, and having my mind renewed. Um, otherwise, on my own, what good am I, you know? So, like, for me, faith is really big on supporting my caregiving journey. Otherwise, um, I would not be able to see, like, the forest for the trees. I'll get so caught up in the weeds and, and not be able yeah. to see the bigger picture, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think we all have to, at least at least my hope is that, like, we all can dig a little bit deeper and see, you know, just, just what is it that, that we are standing on. Because the last thing you want is to find that, you know, you never know how the journey is going to be up ahead, right? It could get rocky and all that. that the, the last thing you want is to find yourself standing on sand when all along you thought you were standing on rock. That would be really, really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there, like, I think kind of like part, part of what you said about, you know, like our our human capacity to love is only x right whatever that is for humans right and i think in in the things that i've like grew up with versus the stuff that i've kind of had to like been battling with in the more recent kind of like months right it's it's been this interesting journey about you know the love that you can even that humans have for like themselves right because there's also like I think one of the things that that I'm realizing like, as like we're, as we're talking right is that you know I I can only do so much to make myself feel better and to make others you know to love others and stuff right but at some point like that has to come from another place mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 I th- and then, and I think everyone has that at different points, and that's something that I don't think I realized until more in the last year and a half or so was like you know, it it's like it need that the the power to be able to care to love yourself enough where you you feel like you're important and that you do deserve to be able to to live right and to have a life that you want and not one that's in your own identity right and not one that's necessarily attached to your sibling or your parents or whatever right and especially as a sibling that's so hard to to detach yourself as an identity as a as a sibling to someone with a disability right like like that power does need to come like like from somewhere right and so it and it's this thing where i've been like it's for some for for so god like like it's like because i grew up like in a christian home right so it's just it's this thing where you kind of you grow up with it so you're kind of like oh you just go with the status quo but you have to realize it for yourself like in your adulthood right and that's 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 been part of like my stuff that's all over the place but one of the other things that that I've learned it's like you know for for other people who may not want to be like in that boat at this point in time right that it can be from something else right like whatever the representation of a greater power is to you like it's okay to pull from that like you know there is a point where it it and and that and I'm and it's not to make it very spiritual but there is an element of that that is involved just because like at the end of the day like the, it's there there's so there's so much greater purpose than us 
humans on the earth, right? There's just more to it than that in general. I think, yeah. you know, if if that is able to help someone where they can draw that power from something, like whether it could be like more genetically the universe or there's like a spirit that they like are more in tune with or it's God, like whatever that needs to be for them to help them get through it, then that's, I think that's also important. And it's, you know, it, and if it's God, that's great. Cause that there's like, you know, there's obviously a more powerful message behind that. And it's, and at the same time, it's, it's so, it's so hard. Cause it's obviously, there's so many, there's so many feelings about like, and obviously this is, this is dependent on where people are at with their siblings and their family situation. Right. But there's, there are, there is a lot of like, why me? <laughs> right Mm -hmm. why my sister why my brother why my parents and there's a lot of that and that's kind of more in the like you know baggage burden part of the equation that we talked about earlier right and it's and it takes a lot to work through that right and there's some people where that situation it's more on the permanent side of that where you know they might need to to walk away for their own health and safety and i think that's that's also something important to acknowledge is like you it, it may feel hard, but, like, if you are unsafe, it is you do do need to kind of find somewhere that is yeah, safer for mm-hmm. you, right? Whether that's for you, your sibling, or your parents, or whatever, like, that's... But that that safety for your own well-being is so important to be able to cultivate, like, who you really are as a person, right? To have your own identity, to help to kind of take care of your own self-care, to discover, like, kind of what you want to do on the earth with your talents, with your the love capacity that you have for all these people and all these things right and it's it's so important to for people to have that space to cultivate it in a place that that is really just genuinely them and that's that's not an easy thing to find for some people but that's I think that's just something important to be said that we spend so much time kind of you know, holding our skill sets to make sure our siblings are okay or our parents are okay or, like, you know, kind of what we were talking about, the survival mode, right? We're always, we're so good at that that then that could also become who we are too, right? Not even from an identity Mm -hmm. standpoint, but just from a, we spend so much energy and kind of habitual practices being in survival mode and organizing stuff and making sure, like, we have all this stuff for an emergency and tantrums and all these things, right? But we forget that, like, we have our own independent lives and mm, interests yeah. and skill sets that like, right? Like my audio skill sets have absolutely nothing to do with my sister, but like it's something I can do and, and, and I can cultivate it in this way, right? And that that serves a greater purpose other than even though it's small, but it like can help fuel a bigger fire than I realize. And that's, and that's a whole other like, uh, like part of like, being a human right there's there's a complexity but there's so much beauty in that once we're once once your perspective changes which i think that is like an age thing too because in my 20s i was like like you didn't, i didn't have this i didn't have this insight when you're like 22 you're like whatever but yeah as you get older it's like okay that's that's not how life is i'm kind of teasing but i feel like maybe we were just being really immature when we were in our 20s because i've seen some really mature ones but you know i'm just teasing you, you must have been more mature than i uh you know i was when i was in my 20s but you know Shalim, what you're saying here i feel like it's like it's important that we see ourselves but it's also important that we see beyond ourselves 
Yeah. It's not to minimize our presence and our life and not and our interests and who we are and all that. You know, I I I totally concur with what you're saying. Like we 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 have a life of our own to our own identity, right? And our interests and you know things that motivate us and all that. Th- those are really important, and I'm not minimizing that at all. But earlier to your point about you know just the strength that we can find, you know, to to be able to caregive. Like where do we find this? If not in faith. Then it has to be something that's beyond yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. you may not be able to tell, but like I, I am actually, I would say fifty percent introverted, fifty percent extroverted. You know, um, I I enjoy going up and talking with people like you do. You know, just like you know, even in person, even on stages, uh, that's something I, I enjoy doing. You know, but but at the same time, I also enjoy my peace and quiet too. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't have to be. You know, they can coexist. But the reason I bring that up is because um, sometimes when I go up on stages to to share a message, right? I, you know, the thing that helps me the most is to remember that it is not about you; it is about the audience. It's about what can help them, what they need to hear. Mm. So, and that takes all the nerves out of like you know my my sharing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like. Yes, we have to see ourselves. We have to see, you know, what we are worth, you know, and then what we stand for. We have to have all of that, but we also need to see beyond ourselves. Be able to have that strength to be able to carry on with our caregiving. Otherwise, when the going gets tough, and it will get tough, you know, it will get tough. Um, if it has not already been tough, you know, it's right. like it will continue to be. You know, it's yeah. just gonna be the way it is. Um, yeah, then then we we're not gonna have the fuel that we're gonna we're gonna need to be able to run the race and last it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thank you for rounding that out, because that that is like the next like phase of it too, right? There, there's mm-hmm. it. You is important. Also, like what you're doing is important, right? And how it affects mm-hmm. other people and who you interact with, like, is also just as important. It's just you kind of need like both parts to be, to be one. Yeah. So I guess yeah. speaking of other people, you have any words of encouragement for other people who are listening, <laughs> for our other siblings? You know, Shalin, earlier you asked. You know, sometimes we might find ourselves asking, like, why me? Um, that's a question I've asked myself too. Um, and I don't think I've found the answer till today. Um, and many of us as siblings may never find the answer in this lifetime. But I think my encouragement really to all of our siblings is that for whatever reasons, you know, beyond us in this lifetime, um, out of the billions of people on this earth, you were chosen to be your sibling to your special needs, um, you know, family member. And out of everybody, you know, it could have been anyone. It could have been Joe on the street, Mary on the street, you know, but you were chosen to be that sibling to that special needs person. So I, I feel, you know, embrace it, you know, um, enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it is, there's, yes, caregiving is tough, but there is so much out of it that's so rewarding and fulfilling too, if we have our heart in the right place. Yeah, so yeah. Have fun with your sibling, you know. Uh, they may not be around for very long. I think I was uh, reading an article, uh, penned by a very very dear gentleman who was uh, bemoaning the loss of his sister with MID, you know, uh, at the age of fifty. When I read it, I was incredibly moved to tears, and I didn't even know that that gentleman. But it got me thinking too, you know. Sometimes I think about caregiving as being a lifelong endeavor, and it may well be. But in that particular gentleman's story, um. His sister passed so early on in life, you know. Um, so, you know, my encouragement really is that uh, enjoy the journey while you are on it, you know. When we look left and look right and we bemoan it, um, 
it will be over before you know it. So just enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. Yeah. And treasure our loved ones while, while we still have them with us. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank <laughs> you for being on the podcast. Um, and as a, as a bonus, um, you actually uh, have made an, a download for everyone, um, for our listeners, for to help with their self care. Um, so, did you want to talk about it for a little bit, and then we can, uh, then we'll put a link to it um, in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so the the download is really intended to help us think about our health goal. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, yeah, we talk about self care, the need to you know better our health and and that sort of thing. Um, but the the thing is that uh, with goal getting or goal setting, you know, sometimes it can be very nebulous. Like we don't really quite know where to get started. And uh, how many of us have like set new resolutions and then only to have to restart them in February or March yeah. or like <laughs> forgotten I've about done that them? Many times. <laughs> yeah, so have I. Up until the time, because you know, it, up until the time where I, 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 you know, in a way, found a way to um, do that goal setting process to help, and and that's the same process I use with my clients as well to help them gain clarity on their health goal and also just have a more concrete plan to act on it. You know, um, yeah, so I'm happy to share that with uh, the listeners of the Special Needs Sibling Podcast. Um, you know, uh, please feel free to reach out and, and uh, just, you know, share your feedback and how that's helping you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Exciting things. Well, that's all we got. So thank you, Sharon, for being on the podcast. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. Really enjoy our chat today. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Special Needs Sibling Podcast. If you're new here, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help more siblings and friends find us. You can also support the podcast by donating on Ko-fi. That's K-O-F-I. You can check out the link in the description for more info. If you're a special needs sibling, I hope you feel encouraged and validated in your journey. If you're not a sibling but know someone who is, I hope you learned a little bit more about what their life is like. That's all for now, and until next time, this is the Special Needs Sibling Podcast. <laughs>